Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young men. Let your eyes be on the field that you are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. I don't know if you've ever received a gift or a generosity or, or some sort of uh, recognition that you didn't deserve. Uh, maybe you got a uh, participation trophy just because you were, you know, a water boy on the team or something like that. You know, everybody on the team, everyone on the Super Bowl winning team gets a, 
gets a ring whether they play in the game or not. Um, I remember a time when uh, I received uh, a particular kind of of grace um, back in the day when I was a young soldier and um, and every every weekend we were uh, somebody was was tasked with uh, doing security checks on the the building for our unit and so uh, Friday would come and everyone would be like hey Friday um, first sergeant can we leave early so we can start our weekend you know if we don't have any missions or training that weekend and we'd go off and everyone would leave Friday afternoon and then the building would get locked up and it would pretty much stay empty and so somebody needed to do the rounds and check the building and make sure that the doors were secured and that nobody's broken in or nothing's missing or the vehicles are still in the parking lot where they're supposed to be or in the motor pool or whatever and you know one weekend that duty fell to me and I thought okay I got these checks I'll do them uh, I got to do one on Saturday morning Saturday night Sunday morning Sunday night I'll come in early on Monday I'll make everything will be ready to go when the unit arrives from their weekend and uh, then I proceeded to enjoy my time with my family that weekend I don't even remember what we did. Um, we we may have just hung out. We we may have gone on a on a walk somewhere or a picnic or or gone out to eat or saw a movie or uh, doesn't really matter because Monday morning I woke up um, early uh, like I used to do when I was on army time and I realized I didn't do a single security check on our building. You know, I had that sinking feeling. It was an all-too-familiar feeling of, oh, no, I left something undone. And um, I remember going in early, running around the building, checking everything out, thinking, what am I going to find? Was this the weekend when somebody busted in and stole something or whatever? And I, I did my whole rounds that morning. I did it very thoroughly, and I discovered everything was secure, and nothing seemed amiss. But then I had to walk into my first sergeant, who didn't know anything about that. And I could have taken my, that duty log, and I could have hand-jammed that log and written in, oh yeah, I did a check at this time, did a check at that time, did a check at that time. But I decided, you know, the best thing to do is probably just say, I screwed up. And I remember standing in front of him, something like this, you know, going, first sergeant, I, uh, uh, and here I am, a grown man, going, I, am a, I just am a screw-up, and I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I thought, man, he's going to, He's going to put me on special, he's going to put me on an extra duty or some kind of punishment. And he just said, well, is everything, was everything secure this morning? Was anything amiss? No, everything was the way it should have been. Nothing happened this weekend. And he said, well, thank you for, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for being honest. Um... I, I, I assume this is not going to happen again, will it? And I said, heck no. First sergeant. And um, I went on with my day. That moment, I experienced a little bit of grace. Um, because I, I didn't get what I deserved. But more than that, I, I actually felt good walking out. You know, he, he, he motivated me. He encouraged me. He said, look, this is how you should treat people. I was granted favor in his eyes. 
favor that I didn't deserve. And I had no acts, I had no real, I had no real claim on. I, I should have received punishment. But instead, he said, thank you for your honesty. I sought his favor out, honestly. I, re, I don't remember, I, I must have shared that with Cheryl going, oh no, this is what happened, Cheryl, and I'm on my way, and I'm going to, I mean, just pray that this doesn't go to you know what, um, like they often do in a situation like that. The, the story that we have been following in, in the book of Ruth, the story that, the, that I, have, uh, I have given the title of our series, Redeemed, it is the story of Ruth and it's the story of, of, of many other things. It's really the story of God. It's God's story of how He is doing things in people's lives to redeem their mistakes, their failures, and, and their unfortunate, and what we looked at last week, their, their bitter circumstances. There is favor. God's favor is great. God's favor is, is deep. God's favor is in many ways overwhelming for us. And I think we see that in this story through the people and the circumstances in Ruth. You heard, the, um, you heard this read just a moment ago. Um, and it starts out in chapter 2 uh, with this, uh, this seemingly uh, innocuous phrase, this, this phrase of, oh, by the way, the narrator has been writing this story, telling us the story. Oh, by the way, there was also a man who lived, um, who, or there was a relative of Naomi um, and of her husband's, and, and he was a, described here as a, a worthy man he, of the clan of Elimelech, and uh, his name was Boaz. And, and then he just kind of throws that out to us, and then he moves on to Ruth. He says, "And now Ruth said to Naomi, oh, let, let's let's go back to the let's go back to the the people in the story." The, the The narrator sets us up with just a really brief description of this man named Boaz. And um, I, I've thought about this, you know, storytelling. You know how this story gets told, and and we oftentimes just jump over these verses that kind of pop out of nowhere. But uh, I'm glad we we take time to to pause and work our way through books of the Bible so that we can see something significant here. Uh, remember what had happened before. Uh, Naomi and Ruth. Naomi was a woman married to Elimelech and had two sons and they went into Moab to sojourn there because of the famine. Um, and uh, while they were there, Elimelech died. Then her, his sons got married, but his sons died. And then he, it was just her and her daughters-in-law. And she heard that God had, had visited her people, so she wanted to come back. But she comes back very bitter. Uh, one of her daughters-in-law goes back. Ruth goes with her. and So that's where we get the name of the book, Ruth. But really, the story has centered around Naomi thus far. But we ended last week, the, the, the first act of this book, this story, ended with uh, Naomi and Ruth uh, having returned from the land of Moab. And the focus then kind of began to shift towards Ruth and her description of being a Moabite and a daughter-in-law. And, and actually she was the one who had returned um, as well. And, 
and they were there during this barley harvest. Now out of nowhere is this description of Boaz and, and he is called a worthy man and I'm going to pause on that for a second because that's a really interesting phrase that's thrown out there. He's a worthy man and some translations would call him a wealthy man. Uh, others would, would, um, would translate it if, if we translate it like it is in other places. He's a... Um, he is a mighty man. Um, sometimes that word describes a great warrior, a valiant warrior. Sometimes it describes somebody of great wealth. But it always refers to somebody who has a high reputation uh, in his community. Somebody who's honored and respected. And this is who he is. This very brief description, we don't even know anything about him yet. But just in one verse, we know that he was a man that people paid attention to. He was somebody who deserved respect. He, 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 he garnered that in his community. And not only that, but he's a part of Naomi's clan. Now the clan was, was not the tribe. The clan was the smaller unit within a tribe. But it was that family unit that was, that was so important to the people of Israel. And, and if you were a part of a particular clan, that means you had obligations to each other. You had responsibilities to each other. You were going to look after each other. Um, maybe that's like maybe that's like your family. You look out for your ch- family. I don't know my my brother and my sister in law and and us siblings. We kind of joke um, in sort of Godfather terms. Like, Nobody goes against the family. You never go against the family. You know, and and we we sort of joke about that. But what we're trying to express is that that within our clan, the Johnson clan, um, it, it's it's an important it's a por- an important connection, and we have responsibilities to each other, and we're going to be there for each other. Um, and so right away, Boaz is not just some guy. He's a worthy man, and he's also part of this particular clan. And so as you're reading along or you're hearing this story, you're thinking, I hope, you're thinking, hey, this means something. What's the deal with this man, Boaz? Well, suddenly then we shift back to Ruth. And Ruth says to, to, says to Naomi, let me go to the field. Let me glean among the ears. And then he says, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Now, um, Naomi, or excuse me, Ruth is uh, suggesting that she do uh, something that was, that was commonplace in in ancient Israel at this time. In fact, if, you, if we looked at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, and, and this, this is referenced in a few other places, but in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 to 22, we, we hear this description that's in Israel's laws. This is, this is something they're commanded to do. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. 
that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again, or a second time. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. There are four, I command you, to do this. Uh, the, dis- the description there is of a people, and a, really of a God, who cares about everybody. And what God is saying is, is you know, you're going to go out there and harvest, and there are going to be some, some, some bits of grain that are going to fall as you're gathering up the bundles. And, and they're, going to, they're going to lie there on the ground. And, and when you go harvest your trees or, or your, your vineyards, um, you're going to miss something the first time around. And, and God is saying, don't go over it a second time, because there are people in need all around you. Let them follow along. Let them glean after you so that they may have something. Because there are, there are sojourners who have no inheritance. There are people who have come to you because you're the people of God and they want to be among the people of God because that's where God is at work. They want to be there and they want to experience some of that blessing and allow them to. Let them come. And let them receive some of that blessing. There are, going to be, there are going to be fatherless people among you that don't have an inheritance given to them. They have no one to care for them. No one to look after them and meet their needs. Let them come and glean and receive something. There will be widows who have no husband to care for them and have, they have no means of providing for themselves. Let them come and glean. And that was God's law. That was His intention. He said it right up to... He didn't say, hey, be frugal, be exact, gather it all up, go over it two or three or four times and make sure you get it all so that way you maximize your profits. He didn't say that. I don't think they got this message. I don't think they got it because over and over the prophets spoke against Israel, against their leaders, and said, why aren't you doing what I told you to do? Why aren't you caring for the sojourners among you and the, 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 the orphans and the widows? And so I, I, I have another passage just for, as an example. Isaiah chapter 10, just the first couple of verses in which God is speaking through Isaiah, and he says, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees, and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their sight, that widows may be their spoil, and that they make may make the fatherless their prey. Just one, one example of many of, of Israel uh, ignoring the covenant, the command maybe, um, or downright abusing others who were in that vulnerable 
position. And so when Ruth says to Naomi, let me go out and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor, she's saying, maybe one of these people is a worthy man who's obeying the law. Maybe somebody out there will look with compassion on me and you and I will come back with something. Because that's not how everybody ran their, their fields at that time. Uh, what if I go somewhere and they say, get away from us, you filthy cur, and kick her away. You can't come here. Don't glean here. We don't want your kind. There's no blessing for you here. So her little request to Naomi is full of meaning. It's not just simply, hey, I think this is a good idea. Let me go out and do this. No, she's saying, if, if, if somebody does not grant us favor in his eyes, we'll have nothing. Of course, Naomi says, go, my daughter. She doesn't seem to be very enthusiastic. She's still a woman of few words unless it is to complain about how the Lord has brought bitterness into her life. I wonder if she thought, well, good luck. Maybe, maybe we say, good luck with that. Yeah, hope, you, uh, hope it works out. Maybe she didn't really mean it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe there's some hope rising up in her. Maybe. We're not sure yet, are we? So, but she, so she goes out. And she went and she gleaned in the field with the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Ah, ah, so this guy that we were just introduced to does come into the story. Aha! She just happened to come upon the field. And, and this is significant too because... Uh, as I, as I studied a little bit about this, I, I, I don't know the ancient Near East as well as I'd like, um, but their fields weren't um, demarked very clearly. It, it's hard to tell when one field began and one field ended, when, when one person's property ended and one person's didn't. And there's this huge field out there, and, and it's almost like, you could almost imagine it being like a, a community garden or something, and you're wondering, well, whose responsibility is that? It's just all, all together, and maybe I have this little row, and I've been tending this, and somebody else has been tending that. But it's, it's hard to to discern them. And, and so she goes out and the, and the author says, unbeknownst to her, she just happened to come upon the field of Boaz. And then Boaz comes and from the city to the field. Well, here's the, uh, here's the first um, first. Uh, insight from this, from this introductory section, this setting the stage for this act, and that is that favor for Ruth, I have this in your notes, favor for Ruth appeared as a chance happening. Favor for Ruth appeared as a chance happening. That's what it appeared like. It appeared like to her and, and to the people around her, and maybe even to us as we're reading, we're, we're wondering what's going on here, but we should know better, right? 
We should know better because we have already seen that God is king. He's the one who's been sovereign over the circumstances. And he's the one that is always working behind the scenes. Uh, Ruth and Naomi thought it was a chance happening. But it wasn't. God was at work. God was moving. In fact, his favor was already being shown. This chance happening lead, led into this encounter with Boaz. And look how, um, look how uh, the story continues on. When, when Boaz came from Bethlehem, he, he saw the reapers and, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And I, and, um, I pondered about what that those greetings might mean and why the narrator would put them in that. And I think he's just stalling. I think he's just saying, oh, they went through this, this you know, typical greeting of one another and, and there's certainly significance in those, those blessings and those greetings. Um, but when is he going to get to... When are we going to find out if Boaz and Ruth might meet, right? So then, immediately, Boaz says, hey, who is that person? Actually, who does she belong to? Who does that young woman belong to? Uh, she, she's not sure. He's not sure who she is. But he recognizes somebody new. Somebody she's not, he's not seen gleaning in the fields before. And he wonders about her. And so the servant of, uh, of the reapers answers and, and describes her with information that, well, most of it we've already heard. She's a, she's a young Moabite woman. She came back, returned with Naomi from the country of Moab. And, and she also said, let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she has come and continued from early morning until now. She's been working so far all morning. And there's some complications in, in, the, uh, in some of the uh, language here about the timing of everything. But I think the general sense is, is captured really well here in the English Standard Version. She has come and she said, Look, if, I, if I'm not able to go and glean... And if I can't follow along and gather even among the sheaves, I may not get anything. And so, there she is. She's been gleaning and gathering uh, all morning except for a short rest. And maybe she was, all, maybe she was on her rest right there. Um, because Boaz then speaks directly to Ruth and tells her, Hey, don't glean anywhere else. Stay here. And make, and make sure you stay close to the young women. So it was, kind, it was essentially the, 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 the tradition or the, the strategy of the men would go out with their sickles and they'd grab uh, a, a bunch of wheat in one hand and they'd swing the sickle with the other hand and then they'd, they'd gather them up in their arms and they'd, they'd keep on going. And then the young women would come behind and they would pick up those bundles that were created as they were continuing to go because eventually, you know, they'd have to put that stuff down and grab it. And, and there's this whole process uh, and the young women would be gathering the, those bundles up and, and that's when some of them would, would drop. And so Ruth is essentially uh, saying, let me go with those young women so that I can 
I can actually be one of the first persons to get something. Maybe she was worried as a Moabite woman, as a foreigner, as a sojourner, that there wouldn't be anything for her. Maybe there are other poor people who are, who are true Israelites or Benjamites or, 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 or Judahites actually. or uh, they, were part of, they were part of the local clans and, and she wouldn't get anything. But Boaz pays attention to her and goes, Well, listen, don't go anywhere else. Stay right here. And, and keep your eyes on this field. Go after them. Don't, don't veer off into somebody else's field. Okay? And, and if you get thirsty, go and drink water. That'll be prepared for you. The young men, they'll, they'll, pour, they'll draw water out. It'll be there for everybody to drink, for all the workers to drink. And why don't you, why don't you join them? And then we see Ruth's response to that. She doesn't go, okay, sounds good. That's what I expected. No, what, hap- what, what this, this offer is to her is something completely unexpected, something completely unusual. She says, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I don't belong here. I'm not one of you. I'm not part of this clan. Why are you giving, granting me favor? Her, her posture... Everything about her response is indicating humility, a lowliness. Uh, I don't deserve to be treated like this. And look at what Boaz says. All you've done for your mother-in-law has been told me. I, I know what you have done. I've heard your story. And I know that you have come here to help out your mother-in-law. And that you left your people and your God for Naomi's people and her God. And then he says this in verse 12, The Lord repay you for what you have done. A full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Um, I'm going to return to that in a moment. But suffice it to say that Boaz here recognizes that there is another person's favor who she's seeking. She's not, she's not um, we have no indication of her, um, of her intention except this. Boaz recognizes that she has come to take refuge under God. She has sought out God. That's the person that she needs ultimate favor from. But it is true that Boaz has granted favor to Ruth. And so she says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have comforted. You have spoken kindly you, though, to, to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. I, I'm not really, I'm not even really uh, recognized as somebody who belongs to you. I, I don't even have a right to sleep in your servants' quarters or, or to do what they do, but yet you have granted me abundant favor. Oh, but we're not done, right? Because the next scene is mealtime. And Boaz says, come and eat. Bread, dip your morsel. 
eat. And then, here, let me give you, let me give you leftovers. We've got all these leftovers. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I can't, I love giving away leftovers, right? Because I don't like that stuff. Um, crowding up my, my wife likes leftovers. But I like to give it away. You know, we got leftovers. Here, take some. We've got more than enough. And that's what she's experiencing. She's, she goes out to glean all day and hope to get something. And she ends up having a meal with the owner of the field who says, oh, by the way, there's a whole bunch of leftovers here. Why don't you wrap that up in a doggy bag and take it home to your mother-in-law because I'm pretty sure she's hungry too. She'll want to eat something today. I mean, that's what's going on here. And then, oh, check this out. Then... Let her glean, even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. Also, do this. Pull out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean. And don't rebuke her. Don't chastise her. Don't harass her. Don't give her a hard time. I want you to go beyond the letter of the law. If I could paraphrase it that way. I want you to go beyond what you're required to do. And I want you to give her more. Give her more. So she gleaned in the field till evening, verse 17 says, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. I don't know exactly what an ephah is, except for it was a tenth of a... Um, omer, omer? Or something. Okay, and whatever that is. It was something that a donkey could carry on his back. I, uh, an ephah was about a 30 to 50 pound bag of seed or, or grain. So that's what she came away with. She, she walked away from her one day gleaning in the field with more than they could have eaten in weeks, several weeks. She had an abundance. See, uh, favor for Ruth, I have this up here as well, favor for Ruth appeared as unusual generosity. Uh, that word unusual is, is probably not powerful enough. I mean, this is abundant. This is, it's unexpected, yes. It is unusual. It's, it's overwhelming, the generosity. He's, he's given her permission to glean with the workers. He has offered her protection he said, if you'll stay with the young women, if you'll stay with the, 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 the servants, they will look out for you. They're not going to let any harm come to you. As long as you're within my bounds, within the boundaries of my field, you will be protected. And then she's provided with food and water in abundance. You get thirsty, go get something to drink. You're not on the clock. You know, there's, there's no union breaks for you. You can take a break anytime you want and get something to drink. In fact, I want you to have a meal with me at noonday with my servants. When I, when I throw the bounty out there and we cook some of this barley and we, we eat and we eat bread that's just been freshly baked and we are enjoying the, the fruit of our labors, I want you to enjoy that with me. And you're going to have abundance left over. It reminds me 
I can't help but be reminded of Jesus' miracles of the, the, the loaves and the fishes. And twice that, that, or two different occasions, that miracle is recorded. And each time the disciples gather up all these leftovers. You know, they start out with, what, five loaves and two fish? And then they, they end up with seven baskets full left over on one occasion and twelve baskets full left over on another occasion. This is the kind of thing that, that God does giving us abundance more than we need so that it overflows in generosity. And that's what Boaz has done for Ruth in giving her favor. But not only that, the fact that she that he has invited her in to that to that field he has given her an opportunity to be one of those workers he has given her food and drink at his table he's treating her like she is a member of the clan that's what he's doing he recognizes he knows exactly who she is he knows who she's related to. He knows exactly who Naomi is. He was probably one of the, the ones who, although maybe not out loud, like the, the women of the town, when they were like, is this Naomi? Uh, Naomi, hey, surprise. He was probably thinking it too. Hey, Naomi, the husband of Elimelech. I remember that guy. It's a long time ago. Maybe he was a young man at that time or, or even a boy when they, they left. But he remembered who she was. He knew... Because he knew what clan he belonged to. And he knew what clan Naomi belonged to. And then he sees a Moabite woman, a foreigner, and says, I'm going to treat you like you're part of the family. Like you're one of the clan. That's favor. Undeserved. Ruth. Ruth recognizes, she doesn't deserve this. I don't deserve this kind of favor. Why would you treat me like this? I don't deserve it. I think we often, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's our, I, I don't think it's our culture nowadays. I don't think it's our, a generational thing. I think it's a human thing that's been happening for centuries. It happened in the Old Testament. It happened with God's people. Um, he would give them water from the rock and they would drink and, and, and be thirsty and the next day they would complain bitterly and grumble about their situation. He'd give them food to eat, and they say, we're tired of this. We're tired of the miracle food, the miracle bread. We're tired of you doing a miracle every morning for us. We want something else. They gave, he gave them meat to eat, and they got sick of it. They literally got sick and died because of it. We are we're so complaining we grumble all the time. We believe we deserve something that we really don't. We make demands. We make demands of other people. We certainly make demands of God. God, uh, if if you really cared about me, you would change my circumstances. You would do this for me. You would do that for me. And rather, rather than receive what God has already handed to us, already offered to us, humbly, gratefully, reverently. I think Ruth, Ruth gives us an example of how to respond to the favor of God in the way she responded to the favor given to her by Boaz. 
unusual generosity. But then they recognize, as Ruth comes back to Naomi and, and shares what happened to her, shares her story, and shares the excess bounty, here's what I brought back. Here is all that I gleaned today. I had a hard time carrying this back to the house because it's a lot of grain. And I also had to carry my doggy bag with me too so you could have a meal as well. And as she comes back, they discover, they really see that favor for Ruth uh, was an expression of covenant love. She comes back to her mother-in-law and it says Naomi saw what she had gleaned. And then she also brought out the food that was left over from her meal um, after she had been satisfied and had enough to eat or earlier. Here's, here's the food as well. And, and Naomi, now suddenly she's, she's sort of kind of coming alive here. And like, well, where were you? Uh, whose field were you working in? What, what's going on here? And, and she expresses a, a blessing. Blessed is the man who took notice of you. I mean, that's, this is a big deal. You were looking for favor from somebody and you found it. And so she tells, tells her mother-in-law, she says, well, this is who I worked for. The man's name was Boaz. I'd never met him before. And Naomi's going, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You ran into one of our redeemers, our close relatives. He is part of our clan. Can you believe this? Oh my goodness. And, and he, she, she exclaims a blessing from the Lord on Boaz. And she said, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Uh, the, his kindness, his, his chesed, his love toward us. As, as we're still living and, and his love in, in memory of the dead, the departed, who he knows are his clan, his family. And she says, after exclaiming all that, and I'm sure Ruth is like, whoa, whoa, I, did, I didn't know any of this. She says, he is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. Here's the first mention of that key word in the book of Ruth. And um, we're going to unpack that a lot more in the next couple of chapters. But this Redeemer is somebody who had an obligation to care for his, his family, his clan. Somebody who had the responsibility to step up and say, I am going to help you out in your dark circumstances. And so whatever Naomi was thinking, she was thinking this means something. I don't know what's going on here, my daughter-in-law, but stay with him. Stay close to his young men. Finish the harvest. It's good. Be, stay with the young women. Don't go in another field un, unless stay, lest you be, she says, assaulted. Lest somebody come upon you and discipline you for being where you're not supposed to be. It's good. You have found somebody who has shown favor to you. Now I said that, that favor for Ruth 
was appeared as an expression of covenant love because that's that's the word that that she uses again this is the second time we've seen that word in our in our narrative uh, once in chapter 1 as Naomi was speaking with her daughters and 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 asking for um, God to deal with in such a way a, a, a covenant love way with them and now he's, he she's saying hey this man has treated us like God treats us he has recognized that you by being my daughter-in-law are part of this clan too and he has expressed his favor for you as an extension of his love and so therefore you have every reason to seek out good from him because he's going to give it to you he's going to protect you he's going to provide for you he's going to care for your needs you can count on it how are we how should we take this story how should we uh, how should we uh, live in it so to speak these stories are, are, are not just stories about, you know, these amazing things that happened to people in the, in the past. And, and we're not necessarily here to learn uh, lessons on, on how to treat one another, how to be a worthy man. Look at, look at Boaz. These point us to the hero of the story, the one who's working behind the scenes of every story. We see here that God is a God of favor. That's what we're supposed to learn here. Through the example of Ruth and the, 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 the response, excuse me, the, the example of Boaz, the exemplar, the worthy man of the story, we see, uh, we see something about God here. That He is the true grantor of favor. Uh, Psalm 84, verse 11 says, if we can find it for you, it might be on the screen as well, but Psalm 84, verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, he says, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. God is a God who gives favor. This mention of God's favor first appears in Genesis chapter 6. Um, Noah. But Noah, in the midst of all the wicked people of the world, and, and God saw that everyone was wicked, and, and all of the thoughts of their hearts was wicked and evil all the time, God looked with favor on Noah. Um, some, some see that as to mean that Noah was a standout guy. He, he, all, he did what was right. He always did. The, he, he, he was a righteous man in his time. I wonder how he was made that way. Um, Bible doesn't say that he was a sinless man. He was, he was certainly seeking God when others weren't. But it's God who granted the favor. And then God who grants favor over and over and over 
again. God is the God who orchestrates favor. When we uh, do what we do uh, unintentionally, when we think we have found ourselves in a chance happening, God is the one who is orchestrating His favor. God is the one who is, is putting us where we need to be. I can't think of how many... Uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times that my wife and I and our family have been in situations that we were just... How did we get here? I, we asked that question last week. Um, but ha- seriously, how did we get into a situation where this good was happening to us? A- as many times as we've, we asked the question, how, how come my circumstances are so bitter? Uh, we also found ourselves in situations where the generosity of others, where the love and the support of others has been overwhelming, where, the, uh, where an opportunity that we never saw coming was right there in front of us. And with God, there are no chances. Not, not, not like we think of chances. Not like we think of fate. Not like we think of that. What we have here is providence. That's God's favor in our lives. He also is the one, though, who gives generously. See, even Boaz understood that. He understood it as he's looking at Ruth's situation and he's, he's speaking with her. He realizes that it's, it's really God who is the one who is offering refuge for her. And maybe he realized that in, 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 a, in a big way, God was doing that through him. But it is truly God who gives generously. I think Boaz understood uh, what, the, what Moses spoke to the people in Deuteronomy. When you go into the land and you have a, a, a great harvest, and when you get wealthy and you have all of this abundance and all of this success, don't forget that it was God who gave you the ability to make that wealth and to have that abundance. Because He has looked on you with favor. And His favor is a condition of His covenant. I, I, I like to talk, like many of you like to talk about, unconditional love. In, in a sense, that's, that's what we get because we didn't earn. You know, the condition for God loving us was not for us being lovable. But the reality is that the conditions for God's love is His covenant. The covenant that He made with His people long ago. And the covenant that He made with Christ. And so when we see covenant love showing up in these stories, when we see this happening, it's, it's love that comes from God because He initiates His love with us. We love because He first loved us. And we know that God loves us because He's made a covenant with us and He's not going to break His covenant because His covenant was ratified by the death of Jesus, by His blood, not the blood of animals, but the blood of His eternal Son. God is the true granter of favor. God grants favor. We can't 
mistake that. We can't miss that in this story. He is the one who is working. And He is the one who is establishing His covenant. The people were under a covenant in this time. But everything here is pointing us towards a greater covenant, a greater Boaz, a greater worthy man who was Christ Himself by His life and His death and His resurrection. We are made part of His clan, of His family. That's who we become because of God's favor for us in Christ. And so when He looks at you and me, He doesn't see a sojourner, a foreigner. He doesn't see an outcast. He sees a son or a daughter who's redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That is favor we have no demand for. We cannot demand that. We cannot say, you give me that. I deserve that favor. The reality is, we don't. can't be good enough for it. You can't do enough good things for it. You can't be generous enough in this world. You can't be nice enough. Yet, even though we don't deserve it, it's offered to us freely as a gift. We can't turn it away. He gives us it as a gift. Not only, not only as a gift of salvation, but as an ongoing gift of His presence with us. An ongoing gift of His favor to walk through us, through the bitter circumstances with us, to, to give us hope in these circumstances. At the end of this story... Naomi is rejoicing. But did you see how the story, how this act ended? So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Their circumstances have changed somewhat. But the question of what do we do when the harvest is over? What do we do this winter? What do we do next year? Will that be available to us again? How will we go on? They're still alone. They're still living in their house together. I, I can't help but think that their circumstances on the outside haven't changed all that much except for uh, they do have a means of, of sustenance. But what's different now is that Naomi has hope. She has seen God's favor in her life. And she has hope in the midst of those circumstances. And I, I, I realize that today, as we're, as we're interacting with this story, a whole bunch of us are in the middle of our stories. It's really great to get to the end of Ruth. Chapter, you know, we get to the end of Ruth chapter 4 and it's like, it's so great. Like, that's the kind of, that's what I want my life to be like. But I'm not there yet. I'm, in, I'm still in the middle of the story. I'm still struggling. We're still trying to raise our kids and trying to figure out if they're going to follow Christ the, the rest of their lives or not. Uh, I'm still married to my wife and she's unfortunately still married to me. And we have to deal with that. These are very bitter circumstances. <laughs> 
We're in the middle of our story and so are you. But in the middle of your story, just like Naomi and Ruth, you have a God who gives you His favor. His favor in His eyes is available to you. He He has not overlooked you. We don't have to despair in our circumstances. We're in the middle of it. But God is in the middle of it too because He's the one telling our story. Just like He was telling this this story of Ruth. This story of redemption. So how might we respond to it? Very briefly, seek Him. Seek Him. What's wrong with us seeking out God's favor? It's not like... It's not as if He is holding back, uh, waiting just... or, or, Or it's not as if... Sorry, let me put it this way. God desires us to seek Him. He's asked us over and over to seek Him. Sometimes I think, we think, because He's sovereign over all of these things, He's just going to give me His favor whenever He wants it. And because of that, we wallow in self-pity. We think we're, we're somehow holy and we're somehow um, pious in feeling bad for ourselves rather than going to our God and seeking it out. I, I love the energy of Ruth. Let me go out and glean in the fields and maybe somebody will, will look with favor on us and we'll be able to live through the week. That's implied. She realized, I'm in, a de- I'm in a desperate situation. And I need to seek out favor from somebody. And we need to seek it out from God. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11, uh, near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches His disciples, and He teaches us, Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And keep going. Uh, Keep going up there. There you go. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Keep going. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Well, that's just one of dozens, maybe hundreds of commands, exhortations in the Bible to seek Him out, to ask Him, to go to our good Heavenly Father. We sing about all the time. He's good. He loves us. He wants to give us His favor. I I want us to be encouraged to go to Him and seek it out and ask for His favor in our lives, in our circumstances, with the relationships we're dealing with. The fact that we don't have wisdom for the choices that we have. We go to Him, we ask, because He gives uh, without reproach to all who ask Him. And we go and we receive what He gives from us with gratitude, with humility, and even with obedience. Don't ask God for things and then go and disobey Him. Don't ask God to give me, give me favor while I'm thumbing my nose at you, while I'm doing the exact opposite of what you're asking me to do and commanding me to do. Don't do that. 
But maybe, like Ruth, we go to God and we keep going back. And every day, we glean more from Him, more favor, more joy, more hope, more contentment, more even humility. Lord knows I need that. More gratitude developing in our heart. More joy for the journey that we are on. God is a gracious God. God gives us favor. Let's seek Him, shall we? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word to us today. And our Lord, I just pray that You will, you will grant us favor as we seek You. God, if there is anyone here today who has been apathetic, has been ignoring your presence in their life. Lord, I pray that you will bring us to repentance. Lord, if there's anyone here who has never experienced the favor of God, even in salvation, I pray that today is the day that their hearts will be warmed towards you and where they will give themselves to you completely. That you will be their Lord. You will be their true Father. You will be their true God. You will be their true King, Lord of their lives. As they give that over to you. Lord, if, if, if there are any here who are struggling with their bitter circumstances, Lord, I pray that you will encourage them to know that your favor is granted to them freely for their circumstances. You will reassure. You will bring comfort, just like Ruth experienced with Boaz. That you will do that because you're good and you're great enough for that. And you have loved us you offer that love to us because of Jesus. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.